To have and to hold, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. Millions of us have taken those vows and truly meant them. But how many of us have had to test their strength? I think my husband is still in awe, even though he has the kidney in his body. (laughs) Uh, He was just like, oh, you're going to give me a kidney? Yes, I am. That's living donor Laverne Barty. I'm Sarah Jane Castro, Director of Marketing and Communications for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois, and your host for this edition of The Journey Continues. Laverne joins us to share her experience as a wife, a mother, and a living donor to her husband, Kevin. Laverne, tell us how you and Kevin first met. My sister actually introduced us. Um, She was dating uh, his best friend at the time, and they introduced Kevin and I. And we started dating. And was it love at first sight? No, it was not love at first sight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was definitely like at first sight. Okay. That's good (laughs) enough. That led to marriage, it sounds like. Yes, it did. What was life like for you and Kevin in those early years? In the early years, we, we were just enjoying life. We have, well, currently we have four kids, but um, earlier on we had our one son who is about to turn 30 and um, we were just raising our family and learning how to uh, be parents and be a husband and a wife and, and travel. And we just tried to do all the things young people do. Sound like an active family, especially with four kids. (laughs) Yes, very active. So how did Kevin's kidney disease start? So um, it, it was funny because we didn't know he was had kidney disease. It was prior to the pandemic, um, probably in 2019, when he went to the doctor and the doctor said he was going to keep an eye on it because his numbers was just elevated a little. Um, then we had the pandemic and the stresses of life and all. And my husband never didn't go back to the doctor because of the pandemic. Right after uh, 2022, January of 22, he got COVID and was very mild, a very mild case of COVID, probably a headache and some fever. And then weeks after, he just started losing a lot of weight. He didn't eat. He just didn't look good. I didn't feel good about um, how he was looking. And um, to be honest, I started having dreams that I was planning his funeral. Oh, my goodness. Um, I had a couple of those dreams, which was very disheartening when I woke up. And I just finally, after the last dream, I told him, I said, you know, just go to the doctor. Because we thought it was COVID, you know, COVID overkill. Mm-hmm. Um, and he finally went to the doctor on a, on a Wednesday morning. Um, February sixteenth to be act to be <laughs> for actuality here. Um, February sixteenth, he went to the doctor in the morning, and then uh, that evening, the doctor called us and said, "Go to the emergency room right now because you're in renal failure." Oh my gosh! And the, the his numbers were so high, the creatinine number, which tells how much your kidneys are working, should be between 0. 0.0 and one point four is normal. His number was eighteen. Wow. Um, and from what I understand is if a number went in 18, you don't live 11 days. Oh my goodness. That had to be so stressful. What were you feeling during all of this? 
It was like a scene from ER, to be honest. By the time we got to the doctor's office, uh, to the hospital, I'm sorry, to the hospital on that evening around 10 o'clock, we were also expecting a snowstorm uh, that evening. Uh, so it was a little stressful. Um, we went to the local hospital here in, in New Lenox. And it was, like I said, a scene from ER. They took him right up. He was in emergency surgery to receive his uh, port. And I, I mean, it, it just was all surreal. What did both of you know or either of you know about kidney failure before all of this? We knew very little. However, um, my sister was a kidney recipient. She received two kidneys um, and she recently passed away during the pandemic. Oh, so um, at, yeah, at 50. But she had, you know, two kidneys and she did um, live a lot longer and happier because of that. But we didn't know much. Um, we just knew of her struggle. Mm -hmm. um, and we know, and also my um, son's wife, um, her dad, was very public about his need for a kidney as well. He's also in kidney failure currently. Wow. So a lot of kidney connections in your family. Or mm -hmm. Sounds like a lot of folks you know and love are affected by kidney disease and kidney failure. Mm -hmm. How did but you, you don't really know much, you know, until right. you know. You don't know until you know. Right. If you're not intimately involved in the day-to-day -day details, then you probably aren't doing that research. Why would you? Mm -hmm. How did you feel when you learned he needed to start dialysis right then and there? I was afraid. It was scary. We have two small kids. Um, we have a, a now 13 and almost 16 you know, so much goes through your mind of, you know, how your life is changing in a blink of an eye or how your life has changed in a blink of an eye and what that means and what it looks like. How did life change once he started dialysis with a busy family life? I'm sure dialysis was a, a big hiccup. Yeah, <laughs> hiccup indeed. <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> to put it mildly, yes, it was a hiccup. So life changed drastically, actually. He um, had to go on disability um, because he had to go to dialysis three days a week and do that for four hours, uh, four to six hours a day each day, um, mm -hmm. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which means he, which meant he wasn't going to work. He was able to get disability, but you know it's just not the same. He he was used to. He's a young man, and he was used to caring for his family and taking care of his family to. And a feeling of hopelessness, you know, what does this mean? You know, uh, what does it mean for our marriage? What does it mean for, you know, my family um, and how we adjust? But we adjust it, you know, when things come in your life, you adjust and you figure out what to do. And so we did. I had to pick up a lot of slack. He does a lot for our family. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and, you know, we tried to keep him from doing much. So, you know, we tried to pick up where we knew he would pick up sounds like that must have been a difficult adjustment for him from going to from provider, caregiver, active father and husband to having to completely rearrange his whole sense of self. Yes, it was. It was a challenge. He wanted to feel whole again. Mm -hmm. You could tell he wanted to feel whole again. Um, he went from hemodialysis, which filters the blood you know, out of your body and back into your body to get the toxins out to peritoneal dialysis, which um, goes through your peritoneal cavity. Um, and that is an at-home dialysis, which he did every night himself, which is 10 hours through the night. 
and can be very stressful because you have to be in a sterile environment. You have to make sure so many things are um, taken care of. But he felt more in control of his dialysis. So mm-hmm. that gave him some reprieve. Yeah, that makes sense. You've, you have a little more time in the day. You're not, your downtime isn't four hours in the middle of your day. It's while you're sleeping. But it does sound like that could be stressful to make sure your environment is completely healthy. Right. And then you also, once you're hooked up, you're hooked up. You can't leave your room. You can't leave your space. You know, you're kind of locked in (laughs) with your cord to take you as far as you can go. Okay. When he first went on dialysis, did his team discuss the possibility of transplant and organ donation with your family at the time? Well, not really. Originally, it was, okay, emergency. Let's get Mm -hmm. you cleaned out. Let's get you back and running, um, so to say. And then after that, the realization of, yes, you're going to need a kidney. Both of your kidneys have uh, are no longer viable, so you will need a kidney um, if you're going to get off a of dialysis. And so as a family, we talked about that. It really wasn't even a discussion, to be quite honest. Our, our youngest son, who's 25 now, he was very adamant about being a donor for my husband, which was a little scary for me because then I'm looking at my husband and my my youngest son. Mm-hmm. And it's something I really didn't want, but I didn't really have a choice in that matter because he he was prepared to do such things. However, he had just started a job. Um, he had recently graduated from college and I really didn't want him to have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually just prayed about it and prayed about it. But in, I thought I was a different blood type than my husband. The whole, For many, many years, I did not know that um, we had the same blood type. Um, my son was the correct blood type, and he started his journey in uh, filling out paperwork and, and things of that nature as well. How did you find out you were the same blood type after all those years? So uh, it was... I don't know. It was just such a funny situation. I work at the Comer Children's Hospital and we were having a blood drive in our office space. And I was talking to some of the techs and they kind of had a down, some downtime. And I said, oh, you know, I'll give blood. And I gave blood. And I found out a week later that my blood type was the same as my husband's. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) That's amazing that after- What, 30 years of marriage you discover? (laughs) Yes. I thought I was a different blood type this whole time. So when did you decide that you were going to be his living donor? Oh, the day I found out I was the same blood type. I I started my paperwork. What hesitations did you have? Oh, I had no hesitation. None? No. Wow. No hesitation. Did your sister's transplants impact your decision-making or did you have any sort of fears or worries having seen her go through two transplants? Yes. I I can definitely say I tried not to think about her transplants because her first transplant lasted two years, Mm. but her second transplant lasted many, many, many years. Um, And so I didn't want to think about that first transplant. Mm -hmm. You know, what if this 
you know, only last two years or that was a downturn for me. Like, I don't want to think about that. That's negative. I only wanted to think about the positive. I have a kidney. I want to see if it's a good kidney and I want to give it to him and we can move on from this sort of thing. So I started that process and I didn't even tell him originally um, that I had found out I was the same blood type <laughs> because I work at the hot University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I just started talking to all the teams. I knew a lot of the team members. And if there was a, a testing appointment available, I would take it. If you were not on site, you'd have to schedule a whole day of testing where I could just jump right in because I was on campus. So it worked out for me in that situation. But I do believe that even coming for a day to see if you know, if you can be a match is very, very important. That's wonderful. I love that you kept it a little secret from him until you after you'd started the process. What did Kevin and your children think about this decision you'd made? Well, my son said, no, I'm giving him a kidney. (laughs) (laughs) And I told him, well, may the best kidney win. (laughs) So (laughs) that was the end of that. I think my husband is still in awe, even though he has the kidney in his body. (laughs) Uh, He was just like, oh, you're going to give me a kidney? Yes, I am. You know, when did all this happen? Oh, you know, I've been kind of doing this, you know, to see if I was going to be a good candidate. And I am. So we are. (laughs) And he's just like, okay, if you say so. (laughs) So he probably trusts you after all that time to to make a good decision. Or he trusted me. I don't know. I think it was a little shock, too, that it was that I was for real about it. Yeah. Especially since you didn't know you were the same blood type for exactly. All that. So walk us through surgery day. Were the two of you nervous? Were you nervous for him? Yes, we were nervous for each other. Um, we had to be at the hospital early in the morning. Um, they were taking me in first, so we we had to get there maybe six o'clock in the morning. Um, we drove together um, because my son was going to come. Both of our sons were going to come up later and take our car and and do all the running for us. Um, But we got to the hospital. We got situated. I I was going in first. So they put me in a room first and he sat with me until all of my drugs kicked in. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling him, I'll see you on the other side. And they took me away and I came back to, (laughs) to my room. That had to be nice to have that time together right before you go in. It was. It gave us an opportunity to uh, pray and, you know, really try and keep each other's nerves at bay. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't nervous. I was just very excited. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I was very excited because I thought, you know, I knew it was going to be tough. You know, obviously surgery is not uh, fun and games, but I also knew that it would only last for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. That's a good reminder. Mm -hmm. This is just a temporary situation. So you mentioned you work at University of Chicago and your surgery was there. How was it to have couples surgery essentially performed at work? It was awesome for me because I trust my colleagues. And so I felt safe. My husband was two doors down. And so I felt, you know, they would make sure that we were able to see each other and bring over, you know, 
here's a note from your husband or it, it was really nice because like I said, I really trust my colleagues and I know their work. I've seen it and I know the successes. Mm -hmm. And so I, I felt very safe and I think that's why I wasn't scared. I think that that's why we both had a level of peace about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You truly know your team. It's not just like, oh, we've met them in appointments. You're, you're working with these people day in, day out and, and really get to know them. That had to feel comforting. Yes. And it definitely gave us some peace. What was recovery like for the two of you and who took care of you and supported you? So recovery for myself was, it was a, a little harder than for him. And they tell you that they, mm -hmm. when you go in, they tell you the person who donates will have a little bit of harder, a harder uh, recovery. So for me, it was the outside pain initially and just really being moving slow. When you donate an organ, especially a kidney, you're going to um, be tired, fatigue. They told me that, but I'm thinking I'm tired all the time. What could this possibly <laughs> do? But it is fatigue. So when I felt tired, I would just lay down. My sister-in-law came over and she stayed with us and my kids um, took care of us. The first couple of days I was home alone. Kevin was still in the hospital. Mm. And then when he came home, the both of us just kind of took care of each other slowly. And our kids really helped out a ton from our 13-year-old to our 30-year-old. And my daughter-in-law and, and my sister-in-law, they were all just um, very accommodating and helping, helping with us with food. And I can't forget about my friends. Our friends were amazing. Prior to us even going to the hospital, we had our friends gave us a kidney party to, to oh. celebrate. <laughs> and that was amazing. And they put together a fruit train. My Bible study uh, leaders, they came with food. It was just an amazing outpour of love um, for Kevin and I during our recovery. Well, that's wonderful. It sounds like you have a really strong support system to help you through all of this. Because I'm sure with both of you recovering from major surgery, things like, you know, unloading the dishwasher would be a challenge. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so glad you had all that support. Yes, we did. It was such a blessing. I can't, I'm still in awe. Did anything change about your health after the donation? Our donation was in January. And maybe by April, I started feeling more of myself because I was tired also, once the outside started healing, you know, the insides have to heal mm -hmm. and you can, you can feel that healing. And I had to really listen to my body. If I needed to sit down, I needed to sit down. If I needed to lay down, I had to force myself to do that instead of pushing through because there, you know, you can't take certain pain meds that you're used to taking. Mm -hmm. And so I had to be thoughtful and really listen to what my body was asking for me to do. And then actually do it, <laughs> you know, as a mom and as a wife and uh, working, you want to do more. And I, I really had to think about that and be thoughtful about what my body was telling me to do. And it did not help that month later I got salmonella from, oh, I, no. don't, I don't know what. So that just kind of 
kicked me back a little bit, but I'm feeling a whole lot better. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) So you're about six months out now from surgery? I am. I am, yes. Have you been able to return to all of your normal activities? Yes, I have actually. We're back to bowling and all my normal activities that I was doing. I was running prior to this and I just haven't started that process again, but Mm -hmm. I'm starting to feel um, ready (laughs) to get back into running. Yes. And how's Kevin's health now that he's got your kidney? Oh, he's doing so well. He's back at work. Great. Um, I know we're planning, you know, holidays and vacations and just ready to enjoy, you know, not being hooked up to a machine every day. Yeah. Some freedom and you can yes. get back out there. Tell me about the bowling. Have you been doing that for a long time? We have. It's our date night. Um, we go every two weeks and it's our time just to hang out with our friends and bowl. Um, we're on summer break now, but we were able to go back for the, the last day before it was over. So we'll start up again in September. It was just something he and I, you know, we try to do something together and also with our friends. And so we bowl every two weeks and just hope our house is still, you know, standing when we get home. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, tell me about that. What's family life like now that dad is on the mend and mom's donated a kidney? What's life like around your house? Almost as if nothing ever happened. Wow. Yeah. Which is funny to think, I think. I'm sure it didn't feel like that in 2022 when he was starting dialysis, that things would ever go back to feeling normal. No. We had to kind of take the new normal for a while. And yeah, it's, it's really something to think about. What do you think your kids took away from this experience? I would hope that they would take away, one, the fact that their mom and dad love each other enough to go through something like this and what that looks like. Um, And it can be painful. It can be a challenge. But together you can can work things out and hopefully they'll see that in in their relationships and have that in their relationships. Mm -hmm. I think they learned how important it is to help family and to support family. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they showed up for you when you were fresh out of surgery too. They they already had that lesson learned and probably seeing you two take care of each other for many years. What are you and Kevin looking forward to most in your next 30 years together? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Last year, we couldn't go on our our holiday vacation. He had purchased an Alaskan cruise for my birthday, and we weren't able to attend. So we're going to do it this year. So we're looking forward to um, our trips, for one. And we're just just praying that, you know, his kidney will be, or say my kidney, (laughs) will just be viable and constantly give him um, the health that he needs so that we can just keep going, you know, every day, living, living our life and hopefully, you know, seeing our grandkids and uh, great grandkids if possible. That's wonderful. That Alaskan cruise sounds like so much fun. And way overdue. So we're very yeah. excited to finally be able to attend. Yeah. It sounds like you two could use a, a nice trip after what you've been through. 
What advice do you have for other people who are maybe considering living organ donation or maybe haven't thought about it yet? My advice would be, one, to do the research. Know what it is. Know what kidney failure looks like. And once you understand what it looks like, if you're still interested in becoming a donor, investigate what that is. Speak to your doctors. Find out, you know, you want you want the best. If you can find the best, ask questions. No question is a dumb question. And think about the life that you're going to save. And you're not just saving one life, you're saving two because you're taking someone off the list mm-hmm. so someone else can have that kidney. So you're not just saving one life, you're saving two. And you're still whole. You're donating a kidney, but you're still who you are. Once you heal, it's like nothing ever happened. You still feel good, you know? I say do the work, check it out, ask your friends, talk to people. People who've done it, they are the best testimony. I love that. That's fantastic advice. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Well, I just really thank you for the opportunity to share our story. You know, I never thought kidney donation or kidney disease, I guess, was as serious as it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like diabetes. We all just live. We know people who are, are in kidney failure or go to dialysis, but we don't truly know what that means until you know what it means. And I just hope that someone doesn't have to know what it means because they're going through it but will educate themselves because they want to help someone who's going through it. Yeah. Uh, stories like yours, I think, help do that, help people see the day-to-day reality and without having to experience it themselves. And maybe that increased awareness can help encourage someone to see their doctor a little sooner or get that thing that feels a little weird checked out, that sort of thing, so that they don't have to find out suddenly hey, it's time for dialysis and you need a kidney. Exactly. Thank you for bringing that point up and because that is definitely true. And typically he would have gone to the doctor if we were not in a, a pandemic shutdown and everybody was just trying to survive. But you're absolutely right. Having yourself checked out is so important. Well, Laverne, thank you so much for coming on The Journey Continues and sharing your story and your life with us. I'm just so encouraged by your love story and your family and how you all take care of each other. And it's been such a joy to have you on. Thank you again for having me on. It was nice talking to you. I'm so grateful to Laverne for sharing her experience as a living donor with us. There are more than 3,400 people in Illinois waiting for a kidney transplant right now and living donors can help decrease that number. To find out more information about organ donation and transplants, visit our website at nkfi.org. I'm Sarah Jane Castro, and this is The Journey Continues. Prevention is a key part of our mission at NKFI. That's why at the end of each episode, Dr. Melissa Prest offers a health or nutrition tip. Here's today's nutrition tip about dietary supplements. There's no denying that dietary supplements are popular and many people take at least one dietary supplement each day. But do you need to take them? And if so, which one should you take? As a registered dietitian nutritionist, I'm always a proponent of a food first approach, meaning that you should be able to get all of the nutrients you need through your diet. 
For example, one Brazil nut provides the recommended daily allowance of selenium. The National Institutes of Health defines dietary supplements as substances you might use to add nutrients to your diet or to lower your risk of health problems like osteoporosis or arthritis. Dietary supplements may come in the form of pills, capsules, gel tabs, extracts, or liquids. They may contain vitamins, minerals, fiber, amino acids, which are proteins, herbs, or other plants or enzymes. Usually a prescription is not needed to buy dietary supplements. Dietary supplements are not regulated by the Federal Drug Administration, or the FDA, in the same way as prescription medications are, and dietary supplement companies are not required to share information about safety with the FDA before they sell it, although the companies are responsible for making sure the supplements are safe. So should you take a dietary supplement? Many herbal supplements and other dietary supplements can interact with prescription medications or can cause damage to your kidneys. It's important that you discuss any supplement you are taking or want to take with your provider and or your pharmacist to discuss any risks or harms. If you are missing something for your diet or need to increase a specific nutrient, talk with your provider or registered dietitian nutritionist to learn if a supplement may be needed. If you have received the gift of a transplanted organ, you have likely been told that you cannot take dietary supplements. So continue to that discussion with your team and ask questions before you take any dietary supplements. And also check the science on the supplements. While a manufacturer may make claims, you need to check for information about safety or effectiveness. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. With today's nutrition tip, I'm Melissa Press, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois.